Welcome to The Howler, your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Drew Blevins and Nick Sinopoli. And we welcome you inside our studios at the West Dunn Building once again. I'm Drew Blevins. This is The Howler. We're about to give you the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Nick Sinopoli, my co-host, will be alongside shortly. As always, we are joined in our first segment of the Howler by our special guest. And today it is a senior on the NC State lacrosse team, Clayton Blackwelder. Clayton, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This has been a lacrosse team that has been one of those hidden gems in NC State club sports, similarly to the hockey team. It's a team that's enjoyed success so far. So, Clayton, you've been here for four years now, going into your senior season, of course. What's the key to being so successful in a sport that's kind of niche in the area? Well, I think it takes a lot of dedication. We don't get a ton of support from the school. We get support from UREC, which is great, but it really takes the guys' dedication and commitment to the club with little return. You know, We've got guys who have to become officers, and it's really what you make it. So it's, um, that's really important, I think. Now looking at the way this club is going to perform on the field of competition, you've got a new head coach who's familiar to the program, Chris Demarest, who's been an assistant for a long time, moving up into the head coaching position. What does that do for you and your guys? Well, I think so far this season it's been great. I mean, he is talking, speaking of dedication, he's one of the most dedicated guys, and he sets an example for the rest of the guys. We've got new coaches, an offensive uh, coach in Bill and uh, <laughs> I cannot remember his last name, and a good defensive coach in Dunaway. So they actually are adding a lot to our knowledge base, which is great. They're working with us on drills that we've never done before, and I think it's going to be integral in our um, search for playoff wins. Well, and before we even get into playoff wins in the regular season, looking at just the atmosphere around these lacrosse games, it's been so much fun to go to them and watch them go from 50 people a game to 100 people and now pushing two and 300 in some cases in rivalry games and games against schools that are very, very talented in this sport. What's it like to have that kind of support from a fan base that's starting to show up for these matches? Well, we appreciate it immensely. I mean, we appreciate you guys doing this segment for us and, and getting our name out there because I think a lot of it just has to do with people knowing that we exist. I mean, um, I played lacrosse, so I went out and looked for it. But, you know, there are people who go to NC State, their high schools didn't even have a lacrosse team. They're not familiar with the sport. They have never seen it play. They don't um, know how exciting it can be. So I think it's great that people are becoming more excited and um, flocking to our games, I guess. What is the draw to a sport like lacrosse? Because up until 10, 15 years ago, I can remember when this became a big deal in the Triangle area, but what's the draw to such a fast-paced sport like lacrosse? Yeah, they call it the fastest sport on two feet. Um, it's spreading all across the eastern um, side of the United States, and uh, I think it's got that perfect balance of physicality and skill. You got... you and. The different positions are different guys can thrive in different positions. So we've got really fast guys. We've got really strong guys. We've got guys who can shoot fast. We've got goalies who have quick reflexes. So I think to watch it, it's fast-paced. There's not a lot of sitting back like in football and timeouts. and um, So that's huge. And just the amount of people that can play it. It's just a very athletic sport and also a mentally challenging sport as well. 
when you look at the roster, you're going to be one of those guys who's going to be out there consistently. I can remember calling games, and I'm always saying Black Welder, Black Welder, Black Welder. But when you look at the rest of the roster, who are some of those guys that are going to step up this year that we're going to be calling a lot of their names? Kevin Berry. He's a freshman. He actually uh, committed to Rutgers. So he was on the D1 route, and he decided to come play for us. He's a really good shooter. Quick quick shot. Nick Davis is a great midfielder um, offensive-wise. Devin Johnson is great defensively. He's fast. He's great for clearing, and he's really um, committed to the defensive side of the ball. And our goalie, Parker Statton, he's been doing a great job. I call him a Jedi. I think that he can see the future, and he moves his body to – like as quick reflexes as a Jedi has. So I think those are going to be big names that you're going to be calling a lot. Well, we've talked a little bit about Staten and calling some of those games, but largely the Nets were occupied by Brady Edwards, a senior who's gone on. What's it like to have a younger presence in net now? So primary task of a goalie is to talk to his defense and make sure that the defense is set. What's really difficult for a lot of goalies who have the skills is communicating with the defense loudly and, Clearly, so I think that's going to be the biggest obstacle to overcome for any goalie. Um, he's great in terms of making saves. He's great in terms of clearing. Really being a commander of your defense is what we everybody needs out of their goalie. Looking at this schedule, though, and this is something that I don't think a lot of people understand, NC State's playing at the top level of club lacrosse, which means you get to see some of the top-level opponents in club lacrosse as well. You told me just before we went on air that you're going to have Purdue twice on the schedule, a Boilermakers team that doesn't often come down here, and Buffalo, which is a seemingly annual game now. The Bulls are coming back down. What's it like to be able to play those opponents in a competitive atmosphere, even so much down here in Raleigh? Well, we love competition. We love. We want to play everybody that we can. And so it's great that we've got people coming from the north um, that we're traveling to go play. And a lot of people, especially from the north, we've got a lot of guys on the team from the north, they've been playing since they were in elementary school. They've got skills that they've been developing their whole life. So to have that kind of competition and to be able to show what we've got and see how we stack up against them is fantastic. I think it's a great opportunity. And even divisional play is still very competitive here for NC State. You've got Clemson. Carolina's got a decent club team. You've played George Washington in the past as well. When you look at how it's growing in this area and the competition in the conference, what's that like? Yeah, Clemson is a great team. Georgia Tech is a great team. They always get to the playoffs every year. So it's very. I am excited, and I'm glad that we're in such a division because it really brings out the best in our players. Because if you're playing bad teams, I mean, you're. It's easy to get complacent as a player. It's really good that we're in a division that demands so much of us, and requires us to practice as much as we can and put in as much work on the field as possible. We're joined by Clayton Blackwelder, a senior on the NC State lacrosse team, and. Divisionally speaking, though, it's so strange that lacrosse has taken hold so quickly. You talk about some of your guys from the north. What region of the north as you get beyond the Mason-Dixon line? What region is the sport growing in and is the hotbed for lacrosse that NC State's bringing players from? Well, actually, Maryland's not so north, but Maryland is huge for lacrosse. It's booming in Maryland. And, and you know, I don't want to downplay North Carolina. North Carolina is growing so much. I mean... Just the high school programs have, I don't know the numbers, but have grown in incredibly. 
New Jersey and New York are really big because, I mean, lacrosse, if I don't know how many people know this, it's actually the national spring sport in Canada. It's a lot like hockey on the field. So it's kind of trickled down all the way from Canada through the East Coast, through the North, and it's made its way down to North Carolina, and I couldn't be happier about it. Well, and you talk about Maryland, Maryland, North Carolina, where the lacrosse finals, both men's and women's this year at the NCAA level, which is a huge testament to growing the sport. You look at schools like John Hopkins, Duke here as well. But when you look in this area, when you've got Carolina and Duke, multiple national championships at the men's lacrosse level between those two schools, and then you bring it down to a club level, State used to have the program, disbanded it back in the 80s. Is there ever any chance that this lacrosse program gets back to the NCAA Division I level? Well, I would sure hope so. I mean, I think that NC State has enough students and uh, enough talent to stage a, a D1 lacrosse team. I've heard that Debbie Yao um, wouldn't even consider it, but there's now uh, she's now going to step down or retire soon. So who knows? I mean, I sure hope so. I'm going to continue to try and I don't know. I don't know how what, who you got to talk to, you know, but maybe I got to get a picket sign and <laughs> picket for our D1 bid. Well, it, it's just so intriguing to me. The way this program was disbanded, it, it sort of happened in an overnight fashion back in the 80s, and Carolina and Duke have just excelled with their programs. But here in the club level, NC State's made a name for themselves, and you talked about going into the playoff wins. A lot of people at home don't know how this playoff system works, so can you tell us how exactly this would go about if NC State were to win a championship at this level? So basically we have to have a winning record in our division, and then we get uh – a bid to the playoffs. We go to Georgia, Atlanta for the playoffs, I'm pretty sure, and we've made the first round of playoffs all four years I've been here. The year before I got here, they had never been to the playoffs, I'm pretty sure. So you were the lucky charm. Yeah, uh, it's all me. Nobody else, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we really want to push past the first round. That's our main goal. I mean, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We want to go to the playoffs. we got to win in our division. But we want to push uh, past the next round. And I'm not sure how many rounds there are, but um, the championship game is normally after school uh, is over. So Georgia Tech, I think, won it last year. And they're a pretty solid team. So, Well, and that's a fairly close proximity opponent right there, right there in your backyard. Florida State has also had a successful team. State lost to Florida State a couple of years ago as well. What exactly does it take to be able to push beyond the first round of the playoffs where you know that you've gone from being a very, very good team to perhaps even using that five-letter G word, great? I think the coaching change was will help immensely. Um, dedicated coaches, coaches that study the game, coaches that give us opportunities to better ourselves, send us film to study. We never uh, studied film so in-depth as um, we have started doing this season. Um, another thing is just the culture of the team. When I came in as a freshman, the team was, you know, we practice six hours, hours a week. We've got, we got a good time. You know, this is, this is what you put in, six hours, and that's that. We have guys who are 
really doing good work trying to better the team, get better games, get more games, um, get advertising out there, get people to know that we exist. Um, doing things outside of the of the lines is really big for us to expand and to get better players onto our team to, that hear about uh, club lacrosse. So I think that is it's a testament to the players and the and the coaching. Well, and at the club level, I think the other thing is there's really not necessarily a recruiting pipeline. You don't go out and say, yep, I want this guy from this high school and this guy from this high school. It's about getting into NC State based on your academics first and then trying out for the club lacrosse team. That can be tough sometimes because you don't always get a great freshman class. But when you look at the effort and the time commitment it takes to be on this team, what does it take to be a quality addition to the NC State lacrosse team? You have to put in more than six hours. You have to be able to pass and catch regardless of who you are. You have to be able to pass and catch. you got to put time in on the wall, just bouncing the ball back back and forth. That's how you get better at passing and catching. you got to watch your film. you got to watch film of college players. you got to study the offense that we've instituted. We have to know both sides of the ball, even though you might not play both sides of the ball. You have to know how to play good defense, how to play sound defense. A lot of it is just time in outside of practice. You have to understand the game because lacrosse is a dynamic and challenging game to understand. I think that that's the real key to becoming better because you don't want to stay stagnant. You want to become better over the four years that you're playing lacrosse. And I think that those are very important keys. We have Clayton Blackwelder, the senior on the NC State lacrosse team, alongside with us here. Final couple of questions for you have to do with the head coaching change. Chip Thurston did a great job with the squad, put them in a really good position, but here comes Chris Demarest, who's been out there with you guys in the thick of things, out there with his own stick, playing alongside of you guys. What is it like to now have that comrade start to be the general of this team and start to have that type of leadership and dedication on the sideline for you? Well, Dimrus, he's he didn't play for us, but he was always the players' coach guy. He 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 talked to you about troubles that you had in your life. You know, he was he, he became close with a lot of guys, so that was huge. He had a vision for this team. He came in, Chip Thurston did a good job. He came in and said, "I want to make this team. I want to take it from decent to great. I want." a budget that we can actually look to and pay debts with, you know. Um, we had trouble with, before I got here, guys were playing without paying dues. He made it a real program, which is necessary. I mean, he's a business guy. He's a finance guy. He knows how to get the best out of everybody and make it an efficient process. Um, yeah. I think that that's huge. Has it been a fairly smooth transition to have a new head coach come in? It was, especially because he hired two new guys um, who are definitely more player coaches. Bill, I played with him my freshman year. One of the uh, He's the best player I've ever seen uh, play lacrosse. So to have his offensive acumen and his knowledge um, coaching us every day is amazing. Um, Dunaway, he's, uh, I played again with him too. He was a savage defenseman. He would always hit you on the on your hand. So I hope he brings a bit of uh, physicality to our defense that we desperately, I mean, and any team needs. And our final question for you, as you look at this season, this roster, this schedule, what's the ceiling for this team? 
I think we're just busting through ceilings. I don't want to put any kind of ceiling on this team. I think that we have the potential to be a great MCLA team. We've got talent. We've got smart guys. We've got great coaches. And I don't want to place any kind of bounds on us. I think we've... We're really talented. Clayton, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Drew. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. On the other side of this short break, Nick Sinopoli and I will join together once again, and we'll be talking about NC State men's and women's basketball, a little bit more on the lacrosse team, and the NC State hockey team prepares for the ACCHL Admirals Cup Tournament. All that and more on the Howler. And we welcome you back to the Howler, joined by Nick Sinopoli now. I'm Drew Blevins, and we now get to switch to varsity sports. This is only the second episode of the semester, so we haven't necessarily got to do due diligence talking about men's basketball. Of course, then again, I think it almost goes without saying that there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about Nick Sinopoli. NC State, frustrating, frustrating, frustrating results after getting slaughtered against Louisville. They then come back. Choke away a lead against Syracuse, choke away a lead against Miami, and here they are, three and eight in the ACC, and it's just not looking good for the Wolfpack right now. You know, you you say that there's been nothing to talk about about men's basketball, but I beg to get, disagree. I mean, there's everything to talk about with the just terrible, terrible play. I mean, they they have definitely been lackluster at best they have been well under expectations for the season and you know I'm honestly just tired of talking about it I mean I am a basketball beat writer for the sports section of the technician and I get the luxury of talking about how terrible they are week in and week out and it's just it feels like a lost season at this point Drew this is definitely the most talented roster Mark Gottfried has had while he's been at NC State, and he squandered it, to say the least. I, I want to get your take on this before I give my opinion. I want to know what you personally think the major issue with this basketball team is. Is it the fact that Dennis Smith was overrated or perhaps still playing without fully being over the injury? Is it a coaching issue? Is it the fact that everybody else who was supposed to be a supporting cast isn't performing as well as we thought. Where's the major malfunction here? Well, to answer, to go along what you're talking about, I do not think Dennis Smith is overrated. I think that guy is a stud on the basketball court. Two triple-doubles in ACC play, the first time ever in uh, conference history. The first freshman to really do that. And uh, and he's and he has two this year. This is the third in NC State history other than uh, with Julie ha Julius Hodge, of course, uh, when they played in they played a game in Reynolds Coliseum. But I, I don't think that's the problem. Um, I don't think it's the supporting cast. Uh, I like Ted Capita this year. I think he needs a little more playing time. I, I like where he's come in. I, I think Torin Doran has underwhelmed a little bit. I think Maverick Rowan has surprised some people this year. Most people expected Doran to be in the starting lineup. But Maverick Rowan has been great with that supporting cast of Dennis Smith. I like Abu this year. I think he's struggled at times, but he's really found that mid-range jump shot. He, he was testing it out earlier in the season, and I think it's working out for him. Omir Yurtsevin, he's underwhelmed coming into the season. He was projected a late first-round pick. I would be incredibly surprised if he was even projected for the draft at all at this point. But for me, I think it's got three major things. Number one, 
bench play. Against Miami, the Hurricanes got 35 points from the bench. A, a, a pretty good margin, you know, outside of your starting five. And they had about, they had three players play for them. They had about 68 minutes between those those three or four. Now, for NC State that game, Drew, I just want you to guess how many bench points they got. Ten. They got two. Yes, two bench points. Coming from just soft, from redshirt sophomore guard Torrin Dorn. Outside of Dorn, senior B.J. Anya, Markel Johnson, and Ted Capita all had zero points and combined for just 13 minutes. Just 13 minutes versus Miami. And I don't know if it's Coach Mark Godfrey and the coaching staff thinking there's something going on right there. Dorn's not doing well. B.J. Anya, Johnson, and Capita. I don't know what's going on there. But these guys need playing time. They're on scholarship. We've seen B.J. Anya have some bright spots this year. Was about three blocks away from a triple-double at Reynolds Coliseum. Markel Johnson, I think, is I like how he's at the two, possibly even running the point with Dennis Smith. Torn Dorn, he's struggled a little bit. Ted Capita, he, he's a good rebounder. That's what leads me in my second point. Ted Capita is a good rebounder, and I think rebounding is a big problem for the Wolfpack this year. Against uh, against the Hurricanes, they allowed 17 offensive rebounds. Are you kidding me? The Hurricanes had 36 total, which is the Wolfpack's average this season is 35. Miami only had 36, but the, but NC State allowed 17 offensive rebounds. And That's NC just ridiculous. State only had 21 total they only rebounds. had 21 Five total off rebounds. the offensive glass. That's 14 lower than their season total. Not 14. Excuse. Yeah, it is 14. Their 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 average is 35. And the third point. Oh, sorry, I'll make a quick ramble a little bit is defense. Let's be honest, it's the most glare, glaring and obvious answer to this team. No team under Mark Gottfried has decided to play defense, and I don't think it's the team's fault. I, I I think a part of it is the guys he's recruiting, they're offensive-minded recruits, but Mark Gottfried just flat out does not coach defense. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The uncontested shots, the offensive rebounds off the glass, it, it's ridiculous to see that after this 24 games in the season, Mark Godfrey still hasn't figured out how to play defense. And you're right. It's frustrating. And and this all goes back to what I have said since the very first time I came on air here to talk about basketball. This basketball team could probably be very, very good. In fact, in any other given situation, I think that this NC State basketball team is probably top five in the ACC. Unfortunately... I an army, say top an, five, maybe, maybe an, top seven. Well, listen, but listen. <laughs> the soldiers aren't always what makes the army great. Yep. Sometimes it's the generals. Dream and right, never work out. Right now, the general and leader of this team is not getting the job done effectively. And there, there have been improvements. I'm not going to go scream at him quite yet, because against Miami, NC State shot 61 percent from three, and you still lost that game. And 82% from the free throw line, which has been much, much better. Yeah, this season they averaged about 65%. Last year they averaged about 69 So, yeah, it's getting worse. When you look, though, at the number of fast break points, 23 to 13 in favor of Miami, total rebounds, as you said, 36 to 21, and second chance points, 16 to 10, those are some glaring statistics that aren't just statistics that hurt NC State as a team, but to me that shows a lack of effort. 
And I don't think that this team is going out there and playing uninspired basketball because they don't want to be out there. I think that there's a lack of inspiration on that team because the guy who's supposed to inspire them has the inability to do so. That's a problem. And I don't know what it takes for the fan base, the Wolfpack Club, the higher-ups in athletics to realize that the issue isn't the players, it's the coach. But surely when you keep losing games and losing games and losing games and losing them all in different fashion, surely you've got to realize that there's a bigger issue here. And it's not a matter of strategy. It's a matter of the guy who's making the strategy can't make an effective one. That's a problem. And unfortunately, Wolfpack fans, I hate to break it to you, but I think this is what you're going to have to deal with for the next two seasons minimum. Because I don't see Debbie Yao pulling the trigger. I think that she is so hard-headed that she is going to try to push through her regime, and that includes Mark Godfrey. I mean, you look at what her major mission has been, aside from rebuilding Reynolds Coliseum, it's been to try to get Elliot Avon out. Unfortunately for her, Elliot Avon's the only coach that has any success at this level with this NC State team at a high level. That's frustrating. You know, I'd like to point out that, you know, also I don't – yeah, Debbie Yao, um, I think the next year she's probably not just going to do anything. I mean, not going to fire anyone, not going to really make any But uh, what's the justification changes, for that? Where's the exactly, justification for that? Exactly, it's just your lame that. duck, Drew. I mean, this is NC State Athletics. Are we used to – as you said, did you expect anything else? I mean, it's just a constant theme for NC State Athletics. Look, I'd like to point out another thing, you know, I think contributes – to this lack of rebounding and maybe lack of effort, is Yurtsevin. The guy is seven yeah, foot, and he's a twig. He's a twig. I was, I mean, I, I saw his measurables. You know, coming out, coming out of Europe. You know, anytime you record a game with ninety one points, you got to be the real deal. Let's be honest. If you score ninety one points on almost any level, you are impressive and deserve I, some. Looks. I agree. I totally agree with that. But the guy is not physical. I could box him out. Are you kidding me? And I'm 5'10". The, uh, the guy, d he is not boxing out. And you've got Abu, who is a good, a good rebounder. He is the team-leading rebounder on this team with averaging just over 7 a game. And the guy is 6'8". In the NBA, he is no rebounder. No. But in college, the reason he is so good on the glass is because he brings intensity. Omir Yurtsevin is soft. Let's be honest. I I would agree with that. And and as soon as he stepped onto the floor for an ACC basketball game, which was still fairly early into the, his college career because he had to sit out for nine games, right? Yep. When he stepped onto the floor, he doesn't fit. Nope. And that's because he's he got no stock like a, on yeah, it. Yeah, he sticks out like a sore thumb. I have never seen Or really, a you couldn't scrawny, even see him behind a grain of rice. I have never seen a scrawnier big man in my life. And the thing is, he's not a big man. You know, you if he if someday he makes it to the NBA, which I don't think he will. I think he should go back to Turkey because he's just gonna. He, that's where the best opportunity is for him. If he makes it to the NBA, he's not a center. He's a he's a power he's forward. A forward. He's a forward because he's a shooter. He's a shooter. He's a seven. He's a guy who's seven feet tall, and can shoot from mid range and even the three point line. I mean. If you ask me, you just add another forward to your team. There's no rim protection. There's no enforcer in the paint for NC State. And 
I'd like to read a quick quote. You know, I, I think there's a lot of storylines going into this game Wednesday. Uh, here's a quote from Jeff Goodman from ESPN. Or he told ESPN, Mark Godfried will have his most talented team since arriving in Raleigh. Just a reminder, this is before the season began. He'll have stud freshman point guard Dennis Smith Jr., plenty of wings with Maverick Rowan, Terry Henderson, and Torn Dorn, and no shortage of quality bigs with Omir Yurtsvin, Abdul Malik Abu, and BJ Anya. Look, the Seminoles entered this season with similar expectations. They randomly had a top recruiting class. They've got freshman Jonathan Isaac. They've got sophomore guard Dwayne Bacon. Those guys are surefire locks for the NBA draft. They're surefire locks for really the lottery. And they had, they both had similar storylines heading into the season. Both good backports, both good backcourts, excuse me, and, and imposing offensive prowess. And it's just been a tale of two teams. Florida State was able to piece it together. They've struggled at times during the season. Losses to Georgia Tech, losses to Syracuse. But the Seminoles are 20 and four in the AC or 20 and four overall and eight and three in the ACC. Find them second in the standings in the ACC, just behind UNC. I think it's flip-flopped. If NC State was able to piece it together, they'd be where the Seminoles were at. I mean, I, I feel like these are exact same teams. It's just one figured it out and one didn't. And not just But that team. goes back to coaching. It's back to coaching. When you have if you have the tools in the toolbox, but you don't have the correct handyman, the tools do nothing. And that's exactly what I said on the last show. Yes. And it's it's just ridiculous. I'm tired of it. And and what it comes down to now This team isn't gonna make the NIT. No, they're not. I read a poll earlier today, and I believe it was College Basketball Insider that it ranked every Division One program and their chance percentage-wise, to make it to the NCAA tournament. Guess how large a percent NC State had. 5%. Guess, oh, no. None. None? They have zero None. chance? Zero percent chance to make the NCAA as of right now. Hey, that'd be a good survival story, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> I knew that this team wasn't going to be as good as people thought. I didn't think they were going to be this bad, though. I never in my wildest dreams thought that we were going to be sitting here. I thought they'd be in the tournament. Talking about. I. I didn't even know if they were going to make the tournament, but I just knew that around this time, this team was going to find a way to be 500 in the ACC and at least be in the mix to have a couple quality wins and find their way into a game or two in the ACC tournament. You know, I, I said earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago that um, following that loss to UNC, following that loss to Boston College, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if NC State beat Duke, and they did. And, I was like, and then they huh. went on another three-game oh. losing skid. I said, oh, classic NC State. You know, they just beat Duke. You know, it's going to be the end of the season. We're going to figure out what's this team's going to be like, and they're going to sneak in the NCAA tournament. They win a game. That's it. Or at least make the tournament and lose in the first round. After these past three games, I have no hope in this team to make the NCAA tournament or the NIT tournament. It's going to be the Ben Simmons of last year. Dennis Smith, arguably the number one pick in the NBA draft, will not have a postseason chance, and it's just a dang shame because the guy well, is a stud on the court. He won freshman of the week for the f third time this season, so yeah. at least the second. But again, Nick, again, if he was serious about trying to win a national championship, he should have come somewhere that had a better coach. I mean, I, I, think, I think this offense lets Dennis shine because we're such a high-scoring team. I mean – he he's a stat filler. I don't I, I don't I, I think 
Dennis, the reason he came to state is because he was a fan. At least that was his reasoning, and I'm fine with that. The fans are fine with it because he he's not going to bring a national championship. He's going one and done. I There's no way in my mind he's coming back for another season. Um, if his goal I, – I don't – as as an athlete, your goal is to win a national championship. And while he thought that with Mark Goffrey, Mark Goffrey's one of the best recruiters in North Carolina, might even be the best with what he's got. The best with what he's got, Mark Godfrey's the best recruiter. Coach Krzyzewski has Duke. Roy Williams has UNC. Just the name says enough for itself. But th- this team had has no chance to make the tournament this time, Drew. I, I agree. I think Mark Godfrey is an excellent recruiter and nothing further than that. I would even go so far as to say, of all the basketball coaches that coach Division One programs in this state, at any level, major, mid-major, or minor, Mark Godfrey is the single most inept coach in the state right now. For for where he's for, – for the job position he has. For anywhere. For anywhere? Really? I mean – I think Lavelle Moten could bring NCCU into Raleigh right now and beat NC State again. Huh. I have no issue saying that. I don't know about that. I think UNC – Off of, off of pure I, talent, I NC think State UNCW, UNCW, who thrives in their conference, could come Almost up here beat and beat Duke NC last State. year in the tournament. I, I don't even think it takes the tournament stage for them at this point. I don't know. I, I don't see that. I think it's because these guys, you know, virtually coach themselves on the court. And, and that can't happen either. And while that can't happen, it can happen. Seventh Woods isn't doing it. Jason Tatum isn't doing it. Those two teams have major leaders on their sideline. Uh, seventh, seventh Woods is, is nothing to he, – he's nothing at UNC. He's a freshman. He, he's, he's a freshman. two points a game. Get out of here. Well, aside from the men's basketball pro- program, moving on. In large contrast, there is a good basketball program in Raleigh, and there's a very good basketball program in the ACC in Raleigh, mm-hmm. and that would be Westmore and his Lady Wolfpack. This women's basketball team knocks off Louisville in Louisville in overtime, just another top 10 win that the Lady Wolfpack can add to their resume. And all of a sudden, NC State is ranked 17th in the USA Today poll. They keep creeping up in the votes. And I'm just consistently stunned by what this women's basketball team can do. They lost a rivalry game to Carolina in Chapel Hill on Disappointing Car- right there, yeah. Carolina's play-for-K game. I think Sylvia Hatchell is one of the greatest women's basketball coaches to have ever lived and congratulations to her, not only for finding a way to beat cancer in her own personal fight, but for remembering her good coaching friend, Kay Yao, in doing so. Huge win for Carolina. But NC State took that, which will go down as, as you said, a bad loss, and they bottled up all that emotion and took it to the Louisville Cardinals, 72-70 final last Thursday. Nick Westmore has just been an outstanding basketball coach. And he's taken a team that you knew was going to be pretty good with what they had, and he's made them into something pretty great. Oh, I mean, I, I really think it starts with Westmore right there. The, the guy is doing an incredible, incredible job. Uh, how NC State has done this season is bringing in recruits. Uh, I, I Forgive me, I forget the name, but I remember they brought in a top 100 recruit this this season. 
and they're just getting it done, you know, day in, day out. They're they're dominating teams they should be, you know, earlier in the season. They dom- they beat North Carolina Central by 50 points exactly. I- incredible. They beat, you know, UNC Wilmington by 32. They're, they're beating but, teams but who they should look be. But let's look at the ACC, And, and the ACC they wins are insane. Notre Dame. They, they beat, beat number, the number two. Number they two beat Notre Dame. McGraw. They beat Florida State, which was a team that – Played UConn very good. Played, I think, one of the. I think they were within ten of them, which is huge. And Florida State at the time was number six in the AP poll. They lost. They they almost beat Miami at home. That would have been the first time ever. I think NC State had won three ranked, beat three ranked opponents in a row. And the Miami one was tough. And that was tough. And that was a three point loss. They beat Wake, and then they lose to a ranked Syracuse team, who which made national, national runner up last national year. National runner up last year. And then you know they beat Duke, another a ranked team once again. Disappointing loss at UNC. Remember UNC did break a program record for threes made in that game. And then they they beat Louisville. I mean. I was watching ESPN the other day, <clears throat> excuse me, and they Joe Leonardi's predictions for the tournament for the women right now. NC State is a four seed. Yeah, incredible. That's in correct. my mind, for this women's basketball team, I think a Sweet Sixteen. If they were not to make the Sweet Sixteen, that would be a disappointment. I think it goes further than that for this women's team. I, I, I mean, I'm saying bare minimum Sweet 16. You know, that if, if they don't make that, that's a disappointment. Honestly, me. this is a team that I could see after beating Notre Dame and after finding ways to be gritty enough to beat top 10 after top 10 after top Final 10 Final four potential. Final four potential. National championship really? game potential. Game. I, I don't know if they can beat UConn. I think UConn's going to be the team to beat, and there are a lot of other very, very good women's basketball teams that are out there, even that are ranked lower than NC State that you probably haven't heard of, i.e. Green Bay. Th- those are all good matchups for NC State, but when I look at Wes Moore and what he's got this team doing, this is a team that has a potential, in my mind right now, to go a very long way. And I think when you look at playing in the best women's basketball conference in the nation – the conference that is just overloaded with talent, you could find yourself getting lucky with tournament matchups, and you could get a road to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8 where it comes down to one game, and on any given day, it's a 50-50 shot to win. Again, if NC State gets stuck on the same side of the bracket as UConn, good luck. I don't see that happening. But they beat Notre Dame once. They could beat them again. They played Syracuse close on a couple of occasions the last two times they've gotten together with the Orange. Ashley Williams really epitomizes what this team is all about. She's a former walk-on who has come on to be a very, very good player for NC State. Maya Spencer doing wonderful things at the point. Jennifer Maturin also playing well. I, it amazes me what this basketball team has and how they're able to string together so much success. You know, I, I for me... It begins with rebounds. They have a five that they, they're averaging forty rebounds a game, five more than their opponents. You know, you mentioned Matherin and Nelson and Dominique Wilson. They're dominating the glass this year. Um, they're having great games. Dominique Wilson leading the team in points. And let's not forget. I know you mentioned Spencer. She's currently top ten in NC State program history and in assists, which is an incredible margin. I think at this point she's you know about uh, possibly seventh or sixth. So she's having a great great senior campaign. Ashley Williams, you know, as always, she's shooting uh, hot from three. And you look at this team. Also, 
uh, excuse me, honestly, uh, Aislinn Koenig, she's come off the bench, hasn't started a game this season, but she's been a nice Yeah, Allison Koenig yeah, is very good. Uh, and, and she had had even the quote-unquote fender bender where she had been out for a little bit of time, and just getting her back is huge. Yeah, it, it's huge for them, and I think you're totally right that this team has high potential. I think their, their ceiling is national championship game, and I think their floor is Sweet 16. I love what they're doing this season. It's one of the most exciting teams to watch. At, at NC State right now, in the new Reynolds Coliseum, I've, I've covered a couple of games for the technician. I love it there. You know, a couple of years ago, if you asking me if I love to watch women's basketball, I'd say you'd be lying. But watching this NC State basketball team has been exciting. And they, they've got some opponents, some more ACC opponents coming up. And I, I can't wait to see what this team does come tournament time. Certainly is exciting on the women's basketball front. And now we take it from the hardwood, and for a little bit, I, th I think we would be doing ourselves a huge disservice if we didn't mention this. The NC State men's swimming and diving team, number one in the nation for the first time in program history. Not Texas, not Stanford, not Cal, not Michigan, but the NC State Wolfpack, number one. They have been dominant in the pool. I mean, and it hadn't even been close. They've been. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd like to, I'd like to point out earlier in the season, mm -hmm. um, once AC State beat Texas, the men's team was ranked first. They dropped down to third. Not sure why they were behind Texas and Cal Berkeley. A little confused with why, why that happened. But, yeah, NC State, you know, I was a swimmer in high school. Um, thought a little bit once they come to NC State, hey, I'll try and walk on. Um, I, I, looking back, there's no way that could have happened. These guys are – just dominant at every aspect. If I could pick a weakness on this team, I'd say I'd say breaststroke. But these guys are killing it. You know, you think you and you think it's, when you think NC State swimming, you think of Ryan Held. Think of this: NC Ryan Held broke a a pool and meet record last uh, this past weekend at the Carolina College Nike Invitational at UNC. Guess what stroke it was in? Freestyle. Not you would think so. The guy swam freestyle in the Olympics, swam the 100 freestyle. He broke it in butterfly. And it, it's that's, surprised that's to me. That's unbelievable. And, I, I, he, of course, he came to state with as a freestyle and butterfly mm -hmm. specialist. But you think he'd break it in freestyle. But the guy, the guy's stud, you know, at, and remember, he's only a junior. We're gonna, NC State's going to have him back for his senior campaign. And... It really goes that, – that's kind of a testament to how this team is where you think, okay, they're a freestyle team. They are dominant just about everywhere. They beat they beat uh, UVA a couple of weeks weekends ago. Uh, it was the number nine uh, – number nine I think it was number six team actually for the men and number 13 for the women. Both both beat their opponents. Um, women were, was a little cl closer, but – it's crazy to watch this team. You know, you look at Quinlan Stewart, Col Coleman Stewart. You look at Soren Dahl, Anton Ibsen. These guys are having a dominant season, and it's only going to continue. I think Coach Braden Holloway has done an incredible job with this program and alumni from NC State. He's bringing in recruits left and right. This is a freestyle-oriented or team. Let, let's not mention freshman Kylie Perry. She She's a freshman, broke the pool record in the 50, 50 freestyle. A freshman, 22-2. And, and a true sprint event. Uh, and a true sprint event. She beat it as a freshman. She, they've got another three years left in her. And I think 
the, the sky's the limit for this team. It's just, but is it's, the, but it is hard for me to see. Can as this a team swimmer, win a national championship? Yes. Uh, in my opinion, though, it is just so hard for me to see NC State win a national championship and not Cal Berkeley. I, if you ask me, or Texas. I think, I think, or any, I, I, I think NC State beats teams. Texas. Stanford. I think if I had to pick right now, I say NC State gets second, just because Cal Berkeley is that that tradition over there. It's just hard for me to imagine it. And, and that's certainly an interesting take from. And, and this is your sport. This is yep. something that you did. You know this like I know hockey. And can you just explain how difficult it is to do what NC State is doing just by mowing down competition after competition after competition? Because it's it's not an easy thing in an individualized team sport. Yeah, I, I love how you put it out there, individualized team sport, because in my in my opinion, at the end of the day, it's you in the pool. That's it. It's can you mentally prepare day in and day out? Because in college swimming, there, the training is grueling. You know, with with any sport, of course, at the co- collegiate level, the training is brutal. It's a big jump from high school. These guys practice twice a day. They'll do dry land workouts, lift weights, and then on the weekends they'll have a swim meet. And it's just exhaustive to even think what NC State is going through right now to be. In the ACC, they will win the ACC championship. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Both the men and women, as as a team, they will win the ACC championship for the third year in a row. And it's crazy to me that a team from the ACC, albeit NC State, will compete for a national championship this year. You know, it was. Just, I never thought I'd see the day. It was just last season that NC State had won its first ever title as, an, as a national champion. Last year, it was the first time NC State won it in an individual event or in a relay. Uh, NC State cl- took home the 400 freestyle relay with Ryan Held and Simonis Billis on that relay. And they're coming. It just seems that they have just about everything at their disposal. There's almost no weakness with this team. And that's absolutely unbelievable to think about. NC State swimming and diving absolutely continues their dominance. About 15 minutes left in the show here, and before we get to pick them, I do want to talk about the NC State hockey team. And quite the week slash weekend for NC State hockey with a thrilling 3-1 to victory over North Carolina at PNC Arena in the backyard brawl. Just shy just shy of 6,000 people, somewhere between 5,550 inside of PNC Arena, higher than I thought, lower than what Jeff Folkman predicted. But good Lord, that was so much fun. And it was fun. <laughs> it was really fun in the first period just to watch the crowd keep growing and going around the bowl yep. and around the bowl and around the bowl. And even though we're, we're paid to be unbiased viewers of the game, it was hard not to get caught up in the atmosphere. It was just cool. Just cool. You know, it, it was cool not only for the, the game, just to be NC State U, excuse me, NC State versus UNC, Wolfpack versus Tar Heels, the rivalry going around right there, and the great sport of hockey. It was great as a fan and a, as a broadcaster to have our first broadcast in a professional arena and be it in PNC, our home, really, and have NC State win that game as students. In thrilling fashion. In thrilling fashion with uh, Sam Banashevitz with the go-ahead uh, 
goal right there with just two and a half minutes to go in the third period. Uh, 3-1 hockey game, the insurance goal by Jack McDonald with just over a minute and a half left. It was exciting, man, Drew. That was one of the best <laughs> games I've ever witnessed and one of the games we've ever broadcasted. Uh, I, I still can't believe that happened. <laughs> it, uh, absolutely unbelievable. And and a lot of kudos go also to our technical crew who was out there, Logan Sims and Ethan Berry directing. Rachel Queen, Austin Hogston, Brett Galt. Madison I, Bell. Madison Bell. <laughs> I don't think I'm for, Mandy Butchke and uh, Montana Hollifield. Uh, we had a ton of people out there doing work, and an excellent job to all of them. But aside from that, on the ice, Sam Banishevitz pots a couple goals against Carolina. He continues that scoring streak against UNCW in the 4-3 overtime thriller that that was. First time NC State scores a victory over UNCW since 2012, which is remarkable all into itself. In UNC, yeah, at, at Wilmington. At Wilmington, yep. yes. But this team all of a sudden found a way to win two close games in a row, stringing together what might be sixth of the best period state hockey has played so far, perhaps with the exception of the final two periods against Louisville and the Virginia Tech game, which was a really nice series. But this team gave effort. They overcame some adversity, i.e. 16 penalties against UNCW. Is it starting to fall together for this Wolfpack hockey team, or is this just smoke and mirrors? Um, I think it's starting to heat up. I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think NC State played a great game against UNC. I think they just came up with it in the end. Interesting. Um, if, if I don't NC think they sta- started well. But. I don't think they started well. I don't. I, I thought they played great in the latter half of the third period, as we've seen for the majority of the season. They're just playing a third-period hockey team. Against UNC, they, they got off to a slow start in the first period, dropping down 1-0, and they didn't look great in the second. You know how many penalties um, NC State squandered? Uh, how many me, pa- power play power play opportunities oh, yeah. they squandered oh, in the yeah. second period? It seemed like UNC was constantly a man down throughout the second period, and they got one goal out of I it. I thought Gabe Russo played one of the best I hockey mean, games. Yeah, ever, I mean, though. and to be fair, I think you saw the best effort that Carolina can give. Yeah, I I, I agree with that, but I I think if McCoy is in there, I think State still wins, but I think it's a I think it's a closer hockey game. I don't really? think closer I, than three one. I think it's two one. I think, I think Sam or McDonald ends up getting to the end. But I, I don't think, I don't think I don't NC think State. So. I don't think I don't NC think State. So. Uh, you think State wins? I think you, if Bacolia's in, State wins that hockey game six one. Gabe Haruso played the game. Ah, uh, okay, okay, all right. Gabe Haruso, while he had a good game, he is. I mean, he's. I mean, he's all right, but I. I don't think NC State played that well. I really don't. And I, you're smiling over here at me. Uh, why, it was an exciting hockey game, Drew, but it was exciting because it was close, not because both, emphasis on the both, teams played 110% hockey. UNC gave 110%, played a bit better than their abilities, and NC State played about 70%, if you ask me. I think if NC State gives a maximum effort, maybe not maximum effort, but plays to the best of their abilities, they win that hockey game by four goals. I, 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 think, I think Gabe Haruso had his best game of the season, and it, you're not going to get much out of him after that. But NC State didn't play their best hockey game during that, during that I contest. Think, I think NC State started slow, and I thought they had one major breakdown right at the beginning of the third period. But other than that... Major, at the beginning of the third period? I mean, well, Radatovich they were, off the post. Radatovich off the post, but that one should have gone in. But... There, there's just 
beginning. Oh wait, beginning of third period. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I was thinking, but um. I I just don't think NC State played a good two periods first two periods of hockey. I thought they're okay. Well, I'll go with fifteen minutes in the third period. That was good, but the the the, the win against UNC and, but, Wilmington was but promising. This, this is this is where I'm coming from on here because what I see from having played is the goals that should have gone in that didn't. Which of course people are going to go. Well, that means they didn't play a great hockey game, Drew. No, it means that some goal of the bounces ten, yeah, didn't go ten. their way. Yeah, Haruso played great. Made a couple of critical stops down Calvin the stretch. Stone played great. Luis Jimenez had one hop over his stick. Will Bieberdorf had one hop over his stick. I believe it was Ryan Kinney who nailed the crossbar and almost picked off Haruso's short side in the third period. Those are three chances right there that if all of those go in, you're looking at 6-1. And it, it's not even close as at it, that point. And, as you said earlier, that means they didn't play well. But 6-1. They were ner- I mean, they were nervous, but... I mean, of course you're going to be the nervous playing it. The puck your stick isn't something in your control. I will never forget what my goaltending coach, Bill Horn, taught me. You can only do – let me rephrase that. You can control only that which you can control, meaning the outcomes aren't something you worry about. If a puck hops your stick, no big deal. It's when you have the puck settled can you execute that shot. And that didn't happen a lot for NC State. There were at least, two ti- well. there were at least two times where a puck – "Quote unquote," hopped. Will Bieberdorf's stick? He gets at least he, he needs to get at least one of those down. I, 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 you know, I agree to disagree here, Drew. I think NC State played great but, against Wilmington. But we agree that uh, Wilmington, Wilmington was promising. Uh, transitioning, yes, Wilmington was promising. If the game was even called with, if I just, if I, I called the game, then it would have NC State would have won by freaking four goals. That I was just. 16 uh, no penalties. Comment. No comment. 16 penalties is how many NC State took No comment. NCW. And I, I just love that Mike Gazillo finally had comments about the officiating. Because that just tells you how poorly the game was called. Mike Gazillo never makes comments about the officials. Ever. I have never heard him say what he said. Yeah, he's, a, he's a classic coach, you know, really. Said, uh, and I quote, that is the definition of getting homered. I agree with him completely. And this, this is the thing about the Wilmington hockey program. And it's not just UNCW. It's the way the Ice Hawk program down there is run. Is run. <clears throat> Raleigh is the crown jewel of hockey in North Carolina. You come yep. here and you play the highest level, whether it be Carolina Eagles, whether it be Carolina Junior Hurricanes, that's the highest level. Charlotte, Wilmington, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, all of those other major areas have a chip on their shoulder because they won't ever be Raleigh. Resultingly, any time a team from the Triangle area goes to any of those places, you better believe that you're going to have to fight against the officials too because they're part of the program just as much as anybody else is. And I do think that there was rooting interest there for the officials. I think certainly for the Seahawks there was a rooting interest there because they know a win against NC State practically automatically throws them into conversation for D3 Nationals, but it doesn't happen. It just doesn't. And kudos to NC State for being resilient through the penalties, which maybe half of them were legitimate. Maybe. But overall, what I saw in that Wilmington game was a continued manifested effort to win a hockey game. Time and time again, State made plays, whether it be on the penalty kill, whether it be on the few chances they had on the power play, or whether it be five on five, 
I didn't think that there was any weak link on that NC State hockey team. I thought they all played well. You know, while I disagreed with you wholeheartedly on UNC, I, I totally agree. I think NC State's performance this past Saturday started in net. Calvin, Calvin Stone, Stone played a great senior, game. going against his old team. I thought there was, you know, one, one or I think there was maybe I think there was two on his glove side that he would want to have back, but the guy played a heck of a hockey game. I was surprised after playing in PNC he got the start, but I I understand you know you gotta go with the hot hand. Coach Gazillo puts the netminder in, and he had one heck of a hockey game. If, if NC State gets less than half of those penalties, they win that game by at least four goals. I thought NC State was the superior team without the doubt, without a doubt. So many even strength goals with the game winner coming from Luisa Menes in OT. That they played great, I think. Right there, if you ask me, I think that's the most complete game. I think that tops Virginia Tech. And that that's a tough one for me to say because 16 penalties are 16 penalties. And yeah, we, I mean, we yeah, know despite, despite penalties. But I can tell you this much. That's an effort that makes everybody else in the ACC go, wow, this team might actually be coming back after the injury-marred first half of the season. Final segment, as always, here on the Howler is our Pick'em segment, and we've got a few more coming your way this time than we did last week. Let's go ahead and start with men's basketball. Two on the men's side, two on the women's side, and a hockey game to choose from. First up is tomorrow, the February 8th game, NC State at ranked Florida State men's hoops. Who you got? You know, I would pick NC State if they could get more bench production and they could play defense and it wasn't the season and Mark Gottfried knew how to coach. Um, Florida State by at least 15. F-L-O-R-I-D-A-S-T-A-T-E. That's that's an easy pick at this point. It's almost a gimme. I really like Florida State in this matchup. I think Leonard Hamilton keeps them rolling. Other men's game comes on Saturday, February 11th in Winston-Salem. NC State at Wake Forest, and it has been a long time since State has won in the city of the Deeks. Uh, yeah, NC State does not play like to play in Winston-Salem across just about every sport. Um, uh, once again, I think rebounding is going to be an issue here. Um, I think I think that we get more bench production out out of uh, out of Capita and BJ Anya and Torn Dorn. But the rebounding theme continues. John Collins, I'm going to predict he's got at least 12 boards on the glass. Wake by 10. You know, it, it has always struck me as funny that in the Wake Forest fight song, there is a lyric that says, Red Ruby Rhenish. Wake Forest played NC State close here in Raleigh and pulled it out there, beating the Wolfpack by single digits. I'm actually going to take State in this basketball game. I think that they have the strategy now to be able to beat Wake Forest, a team that even has possibly still underperformed under head coach Danny Manning. As you said, they're they're a few years away from being good. They're on their way. I think State might get this win, though. You know, I think that's just classic NC State right there. You, you lay a Isn't goose it egg at Florida Isn't State, and then you probably beat Wake Forest by, you know, 15. But, you know, going off what you said, I love Danny Manning, one of the best coaches in the ACC. If you ask me with what he's got, I think this team is a couple of years moved from top five in the ACC. NC State at Georgia Tech on the women's side comes up Thursday, February 9th. Who you got? NC State, without a doubt, my man. I mean, uh, Maya Spencer. I I think she's in. I think she might be in for a, for a double double. She's great on uh, assist right now. The dime she's dishing, it's incredible. I think they win that uh, game handily. 
I agree completely. I like the Wolfpack in that one. The other women's game is Sunday, the 12th of February. Virginia Tech visiting Reynolds Coliseum. Who do we like there, Hokies or the Wolfpack? NC State by wide margin. NC State at home this season is just great, especially against their lesser-known conference opponents. NC State by big. And the final pick we have is the hockey game. Senior night, my final home game to be a play-by-play -play man at the Iceplex. NC State takes on Elon. Elon with a win or two, depending on how the rest of the weekend shakes out. Still not out of the playoff race. NC State with a win will lock up the third position. Who do we like? Um, Elon, in the beginning of the season, looked like a solid team. In the past month or so, uh, things have kind of gone haywire. Uh, some coaching problems, some uh, some interesting things. To say the least, let's just leave it at that going on at Elon. Earlier in the season, I'd say this is a close game. I think this is finally where we see the team that has pieced it all together, put the pieces, the puzzles together, and is going to put on a show this ACHL tournament. I've got NC State 6-3. I don't know if he's going to be in attendance, but I really hope Danny Fredenberg can come out and see how this team is going to fight because he was robbed of a win on his senior night, losing 3-2 to to Duke back in November. I like this team to not only beat Elon, but probably run him out of the building. I think the Phoenix are going to try to play chippy. I think they're going to try to throw NC State off their game. I think this is where it all comes together now for the NC State Wolfpack. It might be close. But I would even go so far as to say they're going to beat Elon by more than three. That wouldn't surprise me in the least. Any final thoughts for this episode, Nick Sinopoli? Look for our ACCHL preview show coming up next week. I'll have some in-depth analysis, to say the least. You'll have some in-depth analysis. Oh, yes, I will. I'll be running oh, that I one. And um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, ex I'm excited for that. Um, definitely watch our broadcasts. They've been Not only has the team been great this year, but our broadcasts haven't been too bad as well. I think NC State has got some interesting stuff coming up for us. I would love to say I think they make I think they make the final Drew ACCHL tournament. But that was just a little sneak peek for next week. <laughs> and we certainly do invite you to tune in to Pack TV's production of the ACCHL preview show that should be coming out in the middle of next week before NC State takes to the ice on Friday in Charlottesville. For Nick Sinopoli and the rest of the crew, I'm Drew Blevins. Thanks for joining us for The Howler. You've just been given the state of Wolfpack Athletics. We'll see you next time.